Welcome to the Sales Prospector Show, supported by Lee, a sales rep, and a 5,000 company helping our clients grow sales by securing guaranteed appointments, qualified leads, and guaranteed contracts for their services and products across the U.S. I'm your host, Gil Pagan. You can find us on all social media channels and at leadasalesrep.com. Thank you for listening in. It's going to be a great one today. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a great one today. I have the, the honor and privilege of chatting with Sean uh, Yilisay of Contact Out. Uh, they are a um, SaaS technology platform that um, works on LinkedIn and helps to pull email and data across the web. It's, I'm fascinated by this kind of stuff, and um, they seem to be doing some great things. And uh, we're going to get into it today. But before we do that, Sean, um, uh, introduce yourself to the audience and love to know how you um, got to where you are and a little bit about you, and then we'll go straight into uh, what the platform does. Go ahead, buddy. Sure. Thanks. Uh, and, and thank you so much for having me to, here today, Gilbert. Um, it, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, to speak with you about Contact Out and kind of myself and, and what I've been through. So um, I have, you know, been in sales or in the data for sales for almost the last six to seven years. Um, I actually started in the space at ZoomInfo, um, one of our competitors at, at, at the time. Um, I worked for them for about three and a half years. Big um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, so um, very, very familiar with the data space, very familiar with um, what's been going on in the industry per se over the past six to seven years from the beginning of 2014 till now. Um, prior to that, um, I did my MBA and master finance at Holt International Business School. Um, and then the prior decade, um, I was actually a, a graphic designer, art director, someone in marketing, web design, um, advertising and those type of things, uh, working across the broad spectrum of companies from everywhere from Bose to Gillette to Jones Lang LaSalle, Reebok, Staples, everybody in between, um, a lot of contract roles. Um, and that was kind of my um, goal in, in my undergrad was to kind of become a graphic designer, art director, creative director. Um, but um, as we know, um, nobody truly ends up where they thought they were going. Um, and ultimately you end up in, in a whole different sphere um, than where you started out. And, and that happens all the time. So um, I'm just really, really um, interested in what I do. And I have a, a really great time um, learning from my customers, learning from my prospects about what they're doing, how they're doing things. Um, and as I see kind of where I am in sales, it's really consultative sales. It's about being a trusted advisor mm. and helping people be better at what they need to do. Mm, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, as you, most people uh, get into undergrad and thinking about they know what they're going to do for a living and then end up changing, uh, going 180 degree turn into another direction. So you got that graphic design, then you got the MBA kind of business stuff, and then you landed at a data provider, which is like totally different from where you started. Uh, and uh, now you're at a tech platform which is kind of, you know, similar in nature to what Zoom is doing in the sense of tech and data, and, uh, yep. that kind of stuff, uh, different tools, right? But uh, very, very, um, uh, very interesting. And Zoom is, a, is interesting also. And I'd like to see how that connection uh, happens there. So uh, a contact, uh, contact out, um, looking at how, what, what this platform is, 
Um, there's a lot of um, similar kind of platforms out there that pull data, right, from the yeah. web. They pull it from LinkedIn and they pull it, they'll scrape it across different sites and the like, try to match, um, let's say, a decision maker. I'll stick to the B2B space for, for a minute because that's sure. kind of where we play, right? So. Yeah. So uh, we're looking for a, um, um, someone's email address on LinkedIn. They're a CMO of an organization, uh, 500 employee firm. And, uh, you know, we, 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 have, we have these various tools. Some of them are not connected on a Chrome extension. Some of them are just data sets or a tool where you have to log in remotely, kind of like a SaaS model, and you pull, you know, information that way. So they, there's different kind of ways. And it looks like your platform has that Chrome kind of extension, I think. Uh, and I don't know if you have a login mechanism, but they, they operate kind of similarly, meaning if it's all B2B or it's looking for recruiting, uh, finding people, they kind of have the same kind of method, right? Mm -hmm. Although it may be a different API, but the, the coding is, and, and I'm not a coder, but I'm, I'm like I said, I'm fascinated by and curious yeah. by nature. So help me yeah. to understand how you know, this kind of works like with, with Zoom and then the other one like seamless AI and you got, you, know, you got all this kind of stuff. And obviously we're in the sales space, right? Yes, so yes. We get it. We understand yes. it. Um, so help us to kind of understand the contact house differentiator in uh, yep. what I just laid out. Yeah, of course. So really when we think about it, contact out differentiates itself in three ways. Um, the probably the primary one that has been the, the driver for our success um, has been that originally we primarily focused on personal data, personal emails and personal phone numbers, where you got your Zooms, you got your Lucia's, you got your seamless AIs and all these other competitors out there who focus on the business side of things. So they're looking for business emails and business phone numbers. Well, that's great in the regard of sales and marketing because people are looking to reach out to people at work. But when you're talking about recruiting, that's really frowned upon in the recruiting space to reach out to someone at their current job to get them to go someplace else. So a lot of recruiters don't like the idea of using a business email. There are some recruiters out there that will use a business email because they would rather have anything to get in front of a person mm -hmm. than, than worry about it. Um, but a lot of recruiters out there don't use business emails because they know people don't like it. Um, so they tend to use LinkedIn in-mails, but we all know that in-mails don't work as well as they did in the past. People have turned off their notifications. People aren't checking LinkedIn anymore. It's kind of like almost set and forget type of deal with LinkedIn. It's like, I have to have a profile because if I want to look for another job, it has to be there, but I'll only check it, you know, once a year or maybe once every quarter or once every half a year or something like that. So no one's really truly interacting with LinkedIn anymore, unless they're in sales, marketing or recruiting. We tend to use it every day. Hmm. Um, so when you think about where we are in that space, contact out because we primarily focused on personal data in the beginning, had to step up in the recruiting side because we helped people get in front of the right person personally compared to at work or in a way like LinkedIn where you couldn't get in touch with the person because people weren't responding or people had notifications turned off. So by giving a person a direct email or a direct phone number, they have a personal way to get in front of a person easily and that helped recruiters tremendously. Um, outside of that, because we focused on personal data, 
we were able to amass one of the largest personal databases and contact out providers in the world. We have over 1.25 billion email addresses and growing um, as our data set, which is truly the largest data set out there for emails. Um, our phone numbers are starting to catch up. We started with emails first back in 2015, and then we didn't start with phone numbers until the end of 2017. So our emails really had a two year head start. But ultimately, um, we've started to focus a little bit more on the phone numbers. Um, also, we've started to see a lot more sales and business development and marketing people starting to use our service. So we've started to focus a little bit more on the business side of things as well. So as we go into 2021, we're going to start seeing a lot more data on the business side of things as well as the personal side of things. We're not losing our original focus of personal data but we are starting to add more of a focus to business data as well to help capture some of the other people who may use our services as well. So I guess um, from a, I agree that LinkedIn um, is not being used a lot by, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on recruiting right now, um, that uh, not being used a lot by uh, individual people, employees at companies until they're out of a job. Right. Uh, and then they're on, then all of a sudden they're, they're on LinkedIn and they're updating their profile behind yeah. the curve versus like yeah. being in front of uh, people all the time in case you decide to look. Right. So your platform um, pulls, I guess, you know, uh, I'll use my, me as an example, Gil Pagan's personal email, right? Uh, somehow scraped it from somewhere uh, yeah. and hopefully get a phone number. And then that information is available to recruiters. I, I still get recruiting emails uh, in my in LinkedIn box and and at offering me a senior VP position uh, at an organization. I just oh, responded awesome. to somebody the other day, and I yeah. said, I, I said I'm humbled and I appreciate you reaching out to me, but I'm not your target. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was a probably a, you know automated thing and blast emails yeah. like that. But uh, but uh, so your your platform is pulling that data to send an email to their personal email, right? I'm assuming. And also the phone number, if you have it, and then I'm assuming that recruiter is gonna text that person or maybe call that person, right? Yeah, so okay. texting is a new type of functionality. Yeah. Um, we've actually seen it a lot more in the recent years than in the past um, because everyone has an iPhone. Everyone has a Google phone these days. So it's like, it makes sense that you can just reach them real quickly by sending them a text. So you're seeing a lot of new texting services come up, which are text as a, a software as a platform service where people can go in and say, hey, I'm sending texts to all these numbers or something like that. So um, we're seeing a lot more of that and a bigger trend toward that as we go into the future, because it is becoming a way that people are accepting as a way to get in front of people. Um, though I think it's getting a little bit too out of hand a little bit. Um, I get a lot of marketing text. I get a lot of um, political text. And I'm like, wait, I didn't sign up for these. Why are these coming through? What's going on here? Um, you, you used to be able to get text just from the people you knew. And now you're starting to get all these texts from wherever. So um, it can be a little bit inundating. Um, but ultimately, um, it is an additional way to reach out to people. Um, yeah, and, um, and uh, there is a whole discussion around texting for um, sales and texting executives and decision makers um, without, and I'm saying con there's a con conversation, pros and cons, without a connection to the person. Uh -huh. So again, me getting a text or you getting a text, we've never spoke before and I'm trying to pitch you on something. I got your phone number, 
and I'm going right into your into your phone and saying, hey, we like to chat about this. Uh, and there's pros and cons to that. Um, and there's discussion on LinkedIn and social circles around whether that's even appropriate. Right. Um, you know, and I, I don't know if it's worse texting someone using a platform like yours and the other ones that has no relationship with the person or for business selling or texting them. You have no relationship with the person, but right. recruiting. So I, I think that the recruiting may be a little bit softer. It's like, okay, I'm trying to offer you a job. I got something to offer you. I want to talk yep. to you about an opportunity. Here's a cookie, you know, yep. versus uh, I want you to buy my, you know, my $5,000 product. And right. now I'm, you know, I got, you got a text while you're sitting at the kid's ball game yep. you know, and you got pissed off. Yep. So, uh, I mean, how do you guys, how do you guys deal with that kind of stuff? And I mean, so your platform, and I'm not going to answer that, but your platform so I, I, I sign up as an organization. I, I have access. I'm a paid member. Yep. I can have, I, I sort, you know, by title, by region, by, by company, I'm assuming, right? I can do all that. Okay. Uh, uh, um, you can tell me what we can and can't do. So now yep. I got all that data and I'm going to go ahead and blast text people. I mean, how, I mean, how, how, how do you help me to understand, John? How, how, is there even a way to control that? Or maybe like, really, hey, no, you're, you're a paid member. You got the data. You know, good luck. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes and no. So there are some protocols in place to limit the amount of data that a person can take. So mm -hmm. first of all, the way that our subscription has run has been limited to amount of credits per month. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, hey, I bought a subscription and I have, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of credits that I can use to pull this data all at once. Um, it is been limited per month. So um, at that level, you've, you've, ultimately um, gotten a thousand credits per user per month. So um, you're limited in regard to how much data you can take. Um, so that would keep people from doing mass, mass blast to tons of people because they can't get that much data. Um, and that's one of the reasons why it was created that way. Our founder really didn't like the idea of spam regardless of its email spam, phone spam, text spam, whatever. He just doesn't like the idea of it. So he wants to prevent people having the ability to do those things. So having limitations on how much data you can get in place helps prevent those. Because then what you're gonna get is people who are looking for getting in contact with certain people. They've done the research, they've done the, the whole due diligence process and understand, hey, these are really the people I wanna get in touch with. Find the data, maybe it's 10 people, maybe it's 100 people. And then they reach out to those people it's going to be much more strategic, much more um, diving in, using a knife to be very precise and cutting out exactly what you're looking looking yeah. to do. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, so if you have a thousand credits or two thousand credits a month, you want to be strategic and, and make sure that you get the right data and the right people, so you can try to get your goals accomplished, whatever those may be. Um, exactly. So when you look at your the contact out database. Uh, and you pull out it. I think you have you have various programs, 39, 50, I don't remember the numbers. I think the entry level, yeah, yeah. right? Okay. 1,200 pull, or 1,200 data for 39 bucks, something like that? Uh, so ultimately, the, the pricing page, which you're talking about, is brand new. Okay. Um, it's only about a week and a half old. Okay. So it's it's some, some new thought processes that the CEO has come up with uh, along the idea that We've had the subscription model for the past two and a half, three years, um, where we have people who are looking at it and saying, yeah, that makes sense. It's a good, good price. And, and they purchase. 
Um, but then there's the other people who say, oh, you're too expensive, we'll never spend that. Um, and then they would go to our competitors and buy something cheaper and lighter. Um, so what our founder wanted to do was say, okay, well, why don't we create something lighter that will give people an option to still use contact out without having to go someplace else and use a competitor. Um, so that's really why the pricing page was created to give people another option. So if they wanted to continue to use contact out, they could um, at some lighter options. So if we look at kind of the basic plan, which is the, the bottom of the bucket there, um, you can buy that either monthly or annually. Um, at the monthly price, it's $49 per month. At the annual price, it goes to 39. So you save a little bit by spending annual dollars and, and purchasing all up front. Um, that basically gives you 100 credits per user per month at the monthly level. Um, and then it gives you 1200 credits for the year. Um, and one of the interesting parts about the new pricing model is up until recently, um, you couldn't have yearly credits. It was still based on monthly credits. So with the new annual plan, you're actually getting yearly credits compared to monthly credits. So you could actually get 1200 credits up front and use them all in one month and then run out potentially. So then you're like, well, what do I do for the rest of the year? Well, then you got to upgrade. So it gives people the idea that here, if you want to use more, you can, but if you ultimately use it all, then you're going to have to jump up to the next tier and so on and so forth. No, I, I, I got you. So when they um, pull, let's say a hundred uh, or 1200, let's say in the, in the, in the entry-level plan, I'm trying to get some data percentages. So you pull up 1200, how many based on your historical data will come out with emails um, and uh, that are accurate and how many will come out with phone numbers that yep. are accurate? What are, what are the percentages of that 1200 we use as an example? Yeah, yeah. so um, when we talk about the, the credits and the contacts that are used in the plan, they are specifically around getting data. So if you've used a credit, you have at least gotten an email or phone number um, because that's what the contact or credit value is. It's not getting a person and not having data. So if you have 1200 credits, you're at least getting an email or phone number on every single one of those credits. So it would be 100% data that you're getting for the credits. Um, but if you're looking at the availability of data on a per person basis, um, it's a little bit differently. Um, we're probably at 75 to 80% coverage, um, maybe a little bit higher than that on LinkedIn. Um, it really depends on who you're searching for, where they are, um, and who they are. Um, certain profiles of people, you're going to get better results than others. Um, on a phone number side of things, it was a lot less. Um, we were probably at 30 to 40% level. Um, our goal with the phone numbers going into 2021 um, is to st strategically grow them to catch up to the emails. So we want to get phone numbers to have the same amount of coverage as our emails um, and as quick as possible. So we actually hired someone at the end of last year to go out and specifically find us more phone numbers and then help us get those into the database. Um, one of the things we've also been doing is updating the data. Um, so we, outside of the Chrome extension, which tends to be the primary way people use contact out, the reason being is it fits so well in their process flow. Mm -hmm. um, they use LinkedIn every day. All I have to do is click on the Chrome extension and there's the data I need. It just was simple, easy, and efficient. They love it. Um, outside of that, we found inefficiency. So we started creating this whole 
experience behind the Chrome extension. We have a user dashboard. It was created because people had to copy and paste the data from the Chrome extension to get into their own systems. So we created the user dashboard so they can save a profile, move on to the next person, do the same thing and so on and so forth, ultimately creating a list of the people they wanna go after. And then they can jump over the dashboard, hit export, and they get a large CSV file of all the data they needed without having to copy and paste. So they're saving time getting the data from our systems to their systems. And that's really why we created the dashboard. Um, we also created our own search portal right within that dashboard. So now you have a different place to go and search contact out. One of the things that we've been doing since we kind of started the strategic focus on phone numbers was we've also started to focus on business data. So we've been going out and collecting and, and aggregating and, and putting a lot of new data for business side of things into the database. The biggest problem we had with that is because it's new data, now it needs to be indexed. It needs to be made searchable. So for the past month or so, all of that new data has been being indexed. It's been taking a long time. It was just added to the search portal yesterday. So there is a ton of new data that we've just put in our search portal the other day that is now available for people to search and find and use. Um, and it's gonna be a, a great way forward. We're gonna be focusing on making that search platform one of the primary products for people to use contact out going forward. It's one of our, our major objectives for 2021 is to really build that out and make it a very robust platform so people can feel like, oh, I don't have to use a Chrome extension. I can actually go to contact out search, search for the people I wanna find and find them and get the contact data directly there if they didn't wanna use LinkedIn. So kind of like a, um... A Zoom. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> By going to Zoom and search, and obviously uh, Zoom is a, a lot more expensive um, and have contract terms and the like. And your model is a SaaS model, right? Monthly, um, you'll monthly pay a little bit more or you can pay, pay yearly and use all your credits, right? I mean, so. Uh, yes and no. So the, the newer the newer pricing page is kind of along those lines. Okay. Um, the, the subscription model that we've had for the past two and a half, three years is more along the lines of a user subscription um, and based on volume. So as you add users, you get volume scale discounts built in for teams. Um, so we do have companies who have purchased at those different levels, um, anywhere from your single recruiters, consultants, all the way up to enterprise companies who are using hundreds of users, or um, even we have a API where people are doing server-to-server -server communication and pulling data directly uh, into their own systems. Um, and they're using, you know, hundreds of thousands to millions of credits a year. Um, so we have kind of a broad range of customers. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the interesting part about that is who our customers are, aren't always the people that you would expect, um, which is really interesting. Um, we started targeting recruiters, so we definitely have the recruiter base. Right. We started to get your, your sales and business development people because they need data as well. A little bit of marketing, but marketing tends to be still business to business focused, so we haven't really been too much in the marketing side yet. Um, but some of the people that are using it that we wouldn't expect, one of the biggest ones is market research. Your, your people who go out and try to find expert industry professionals to talk to their institutional investors they love contact out because it allows them to get in touch with those expert industry professionals really easily with direct personal information. So they're probably one of our biggest users. The other one, which is a really interesting use structure that 
I don't think anybody would think of is journalists and reporters from the likes of Thomson Reuters, CNBC, Huffington Post, Business Insider. They all love using contact out because it gives them an easy way to contact sources for fact checking on their stories. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a very, very interesting use that we would have never ever thought of, but it just fits and it works so well. Mm, wow, that's very interesting. I was in a, um, you know, kind of continuing on that train of thought. Um, based on your experience um, at Contact Out and also um, at Zoom and other places, uh, yes. have, you, have you noticed that certain titles or um, certain titles, probably the easiest way to say it, uh, in, uh, on LinkedIn that um, are, tend to have a lot of accurate information uh, and data um, so uh, let's say um, CMOs of industrial engineering that just come that those titles uh, tend to have a phone number, uh, an email, and they tend to be very accurate. Almost like what you're saying where the journalists are searching on the database to find people for fact checking. Yep. Um, is there industries and verticals titles that on LinkedIn, Tend to, tend to be very accurate because um, uh, it's interesting. There was one, one company that we, we have four databases. I'll give you, give you my thought process. We have four databases that, that are proprietary to us. Okay. One of those, they're licensed to us and we use it for our clients. So um, one of those databases had a agriculture kind of uh, database associated with it. We're not in the ag business, but okay. they said that their ag data was extremely accurate. Yep. Uh, and uh, the phone number and email of farmers and all that kind of stuff was very accurate. So I'm curious if in the LinkedIn space, is there four or five industries with titles that are very accurate? You get the email, you get the phone number. Could that be great from a sales perspective to say, what industries can we, products we can rep to get to these people? You with me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so give me some. Give me. Tell, tell me that that's possible, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I wish I. I wish I could say that that is possible. Um, I, I think with the ag agriculture business, um, they have some resources that normal people don't. Um, because when you talk about ag business, people have to register. The government has to know you're doing it. There, there's a lot of licensing and a lot of uh, policy procedures that are in place that make you provide that information. And it is available someplace where a company in the ag business could get it um, from a government, from a public database, from something that is um, really easy to get the data from. And then they're kind of pulling it all together so it's easy to find the information. Um, when we're talking about LinkedIn, it's everybody and anything. They're doing whatever you, you could think they're doing. They're, they're doing something along those lines. They could be a clown. They could be a model. They could be a beautician. They could be a hairdresser. They could be a sales rep. They could be a CMO or a CEO. They could be anything and everything in between. Right. Um, you actually suggest one part is more accurate than another um, is is probably not accurate because um, it's about finding the information available and connecting it with the right person. So that's one thing that kind of contact out prides itself on is being able to find the information wherever it exists and then connect it with the right person. So that's one thing that we do very well is 
get data that says, hey, these email addresses are for this particular person. So we can go in into LinkedIn and find a John Smith and know that this email and phone number is that for that particular John Smith compared to the other 200 plus John Smiths or whatever in LinkedIn, um, we're very, very good at connecting the right data to the right person. Mm -hmm. If we're looking at a particular title or a particular industry, um, really the, the only thing that we can say there is the availability of data can be different. So maybe there are certain titles or there's certain industries or certain roles where it's much easier to find an email or a phone number for that person. And then you're gonna find the data that you need when you're doing that search. There are other titles or industries which are not as easy to find the data on. And it's more than likely that you're not gonna find an email or phone number for them. Or um, the way we, we would think about it is um, in terms of an accuracy, um, a find result is where the, the data is more populated, you're probably gonna get you know nine out of 10. So you search for 10 people and you found emails and phone numbers for nine of the 10 people. Um, where, where the data is more sparse, you may have a result where you search for 10 people and you only found two people that had emails or phone numbers. So that's kind of where the, the, the data can vary um, because there's two types of populations of people out there. There's a population of people who is very open and sharing with their data. They're putting their emails and phone numbers out there so people can find them, get in touch with them and reach them because they want to be get in touch with. Um, then there's the other set of people who are trying to be very, very close knit with their data. They don't want anybody to have it. They don't want to receive an email. They don't want to receive a phone call. They don't want to receive a text. They want their privacy and they want to be left alone. Getting data for those people is extremely hard. And when you get data for that pe person, that data is usually worth 10 times to 100 times the value of the person you can find every day. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and there are certain industries that we have found in our business um, uh, just based on experience, not necessarily, yeah. um, you know, any reports, but, uh, if you're in a tech software space, as an example, um, the chances of you being found on a LinkedIn is going to be very, very high because yeah. obviously they're in tech and software and LinkedIn is a, is a social media job posting business to business site. And it is the monster in the marketplace. So you know, you're gonna find that now if you're looking for a if you're looking if you're a restaurant owner, you have four locations, you're trying to find servers and waiters, you ain't gonna find them on LinkedIn. Right. Because they're just not there because it's a low hourly wage kind of staff, and you gotta go traditional uh, recruiting, advertising, postings to try to yep. find these people. Although you may be able to find some of their information if you used maybe your platform online somewhere, scrape it somewhere, but the accuracy may not be there because they're just not out there doing stuff because they are in a different mindset, different industry, just, you know, so um, it, it depends, I guess, right? Um, and I agree with you. Uh, I got people in the healthcare space. Uh, I'm talking about hospital operations people running clinics, administrators. I know a lot of them. They are not active on LinkedIn. They may have a profile with like 20 contacts. They are not there. But when they're looking for a job, oh, they're out there looking. And they'll be on LinkedIn and updating stuff, but they are just not there. Uh, so right. there are certain industries that are just not there. And um, that's where some of your, 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 your the technology comes in handy 
pulling stuff from other places right, to try to connect the dots, as you say. Uh, and um, you guys have a, 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 a meter or something that says that the likelihood of this information being accurate is 95% accurate or it's 80% accurate or some of the, some of the providers like inside view, like um, Uplead, the other providers say that the, you know, the, the email, we guarantee it 95%, the phone number, yeah, 70. <laughs> you know, so it, you guys got a metering system like that at all? Uh, not really a metering system per se. Um, we've done kind of our due diligence to understand the accuracy of the data um, in terms of kind of how accurate you can expect it to be. Um, but in data, yeah. in our data, in everyone's data, there's always a natural variance. Mm -hmm. um, so you could say, hey, we're 99% accurate, but you know what? It may be 80% on that search. It may be, you know, 70% on this search. It may be 90% on this search. Right. It's going to vary. Not, not, you can't expect the same thing on every, every result because data is finicky. It changes, it adapts. It's not always the same, even though personal data tends to last longer um, than business data because people don't change the personal data anymore with the advent of cloud email. Um, they still create new emails. It doesn't mean that they're not out there doing more things or creating new things because they are. Um, the likelihood that they just still have that old personal email is very high. So they still may check it, but they, they may not be using it anymore. Um, so there is the likelihood there. Um, but when you talk about kind of the accuracy on, on kind of a email or a business email or a phone number, um, it's really hard to say. Sometimes it's going to be very accurate. Sometimes it's not going to be accurate. Um, in the data industry, it just is that way. Nobody can be 100%. Um, we would love to be because if we were, everyone would come and buy our services because we would be the golden ticket. And right. it would be like, oh, yeah, everyone has to buy contact out because they're 100%. They have all the data. It's all accurate. And, and if we go to them, we're going to find what we need. Um, but nobody can say that. It's just impossible because right. things keep changing. Um, and one thing that B2B data providers have had to deal with last year in particular is COVID. Mm -hmm. It yeah. was a huge curveball because normally even your Zooms have this way to understand, I have this certain amount of data that's going to go bad over the year. I'm going to make up for that by updating and, and making right. the data more accurate and, and kind of churning the flow of data. But because of COVID, all of a sudden millions of data points just went bad that they weren't expecting. So now they're chasing their tail, trying to catch up to all this data that went bad that they weren't expecting. It was a huge, huge curveball for the business data industry this year. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> just everybody in general. I, I, I totally agree and as a sales company ourselves, we face some challenges in trying to get a hold of people and um, yep. stuff, phones weren't being forwarded, uh, emails you know, had to be forwarded and, and just stuff wasn't happening. Technology right. was breaking down. It's just, you know, all this, it couldn't find people. You know, yeah. they were bunkered down and we couldn't, and we couldn't get them. Um, so, <laughs> right, it, it is what it is. Uh, so we're getting to the, um, to the lightning round questions now and we'll summarize our conversation in a minute um, okay. of, uh, I guess, the three uh, important points and takeaways of, of contact out uh, and how you could be a help to the audience and uh, you know the recruiters in the B2B sector. But sure. lightning round is more about you. Uh, okay. So 
Uh, if you, um, and this may take a little bit of thinking, okay? So, um, you know, I don't, you know, you know, don't know what I want to say now. Uh, you're, what, if you had a, um, a superpower. Okay. And um, that, that could make you do anything. What would that superpower be? Um, the superpower. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so the, the superpower would be all knowing um, because um, I think one of the, the biggest parts of where we are today is information is the most valuable piece in the world. Mm -hmm. It allows you to do pretty much anything. If you know how to do something, you can get a job in it. If you know how to connect with a person, you can reach them for whatever conversation you need to have. Mm -hmm. If you know about anything, it will help you be better at what you've done before. So just to be able to know everything would be extremely valuable. Um, you could become probably the richest man in the world or wealthiest person in the world by knowing everything. You would know when to invest in this stock. You would know when to buy this crypto. You would know what was the next trend and what was the next disruption that's gonna happen in the marketplace so that you could be ahead of everybody else. It would be amazing. Wow, then yeah, that's an interesting, interesting perspective there. Um, so uh, your coffee drinker, hot or cold? I am more of a tea drinker than a coffee drinker. Okay. Um, but if I'm drinking tea or coffee, it's, it's mostly hot. Um, I'm more of a cold person when it comes to milkshakes or your smoothies. Um, if I'm drinking coffee or, or tea, it should be hot. Mm, I hear you. Uh, favorite food? Favorite food? Um, that's a tough one because I have so many. Um, probably the one I like the most and, and haven't had as much as I would like um, is Indian. Um, I always love to go to a good Indian restaurant and, and one of the particular pieces of Indian food I love the most is naan um, and the different types of naan um, and the variations of how they make it. Um, it's, I'm a bread person, so naan is just really, really good. So now um, at some point this week, you need to get out to an Indian restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> the seed's been planted. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, are you a meat eater at all? Burgers, hot dogs, pizza? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a little bit of everything. There's always a time in my life for something that's different. Um, I, I tend to be a, a ham sandwich person on, on a daily basis because um, it's my go-to. Um, but I definitely like to go to a, a barbecue, have a hamburger or some barbecue chicken or some ribs, um, hot awesome. dogs at a ball game or all those type of things. I, I'm open for it. That's it. Not, not, now you're talking. Uh, so app, Apple or uh, Android? Apple. Um, I've been an Apple fan for a long time. Um, I have the iPhone uh, 11 Pro. Um, I've been on the iPhone since I think the three. Um, and I don't upgrade every time they come out with a new one. I, I kind of hold on to it. I think um, the last one I had prior to the 11 was a 6S. Um, and I held on to the 6S for a long, long time. Good for you. Uh, so I'm assuming uh, it's going to be a laptop uh, versus a desktop or both? Uh, it's a laptop. Um, I've gone back and forth between desktop and laptop, but um, definitely in the sales space, um, especially when you travel, um, having a laptop is key, um, especially if I want to go on vacation, um, because then you can just put the laptop in the bag, go on vacation. And if you have to do something for work while you're on vacation, it's there. You can do it and you're a way to go.
good for you. Good segue. Uh, if you uh, if you um, had the ability to go anywhere and money and time, not an issue. Money and time is not an issue. Where would you go? Everywhere. So <laughs> one of the, the things that I missed as a, a, a younger person um, before I had a family is I always wanted to go travel the world, see as many places as possible and really experience different cultures and different ways wow. of being. Yeah. Um, there's actually a cruise ship called The World where you can physically buy a, a space in it. So it's kind of like buying a condo. Um, this is for the extremely wealthy. Um, so they sell for like 700 plus thousand for a unit in this um, cruise ship. Um, but basically you can get on at any of their stops and get off at any of their stops and the boat just continues to travel around the world. Wow. It would be amazing to have an experience like that, to be able to just get on a kind of perpetual motion object that's gonna continually take you from one place to the next place to the next place. So you can experience everything. And then maybe you decide, okay, I'm getting off here. I'm gonna spend some time here. Maybe I'll spend a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months. Um, and then you need to get back. Okay, you jump on a plane, fly to the next spot, the ship's stopping, jump back on and you're, you're on your way again. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea about that. that that's, that's fascinating. Um, no, that's great. Uh, so uh, uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, sure. The, so to summarize our conversation, the three, uh, three or four value points for um, the audience and on the platform, um, how it makes their lives easier, um, gets to be more successful, you know, um, share that with the audience as we wrap this up. Sure. So um, really the, the biggest efficiency savings time measure of contact out is being able to find personal emails, personal phone numbers, business emails, business phone numbers, getting you in front of the right person at the right time to have the right conversation. Um, it's super simple, especially uh, the Chrome extension because it fits right within your process flow. You don't have to go anywhere else. You're already in LinkedIn. You're already searching the people. All you gotta do is click on a little logo. There's the emails, there's the phone numbers. Quick, simple, and easy. Um, and really we win in the marketplace for three reasons. Accuracy, we have a triple verification method. Um, where we go out and find the information on the public domain, source it, connect it, match it to the right person through an AI protocol that allows us to map the right data to the right person. And then we verify that the email doesn't bounce. Um, that gives us a 99% accuracy on the, the personal email side of things. Um, then volume wise, we're at over 1.25 billion emails and growing, which is really one of the largest databases in the world. So we're more than likely having the information that you need on the people you need. Um, and then because of our personal focus on personal emails and personal cell phone numbers, that gets you in front of the people at the right place, um, especially because of COVID. Mm -hmm. It allows you to get to a person who's no longer in the office and working from home and you can't reach them. Well, you can pick up that phone and give them a call on their cell number and there they are. You got in touch with them. Great, uh, excellent. Thanks for summarizing that and, uh, and the value to the audience. And I enjoyed uh, uh, chatting with you, uh, Sean. It was great. Thank you for sharing um, about your history and how you started and where you are now and the, the, the platform and the value of the business and some a little bit about you, uh, your background and your likes and all those kind of stuff. Um, 
I enjoyed the conversation and listen, all the best may this year be a breakout year uh, for contact out and if the owners and you be successful in everything that you do, um, that is our hope for you uh, this year. Well, thank you so much. And, and I really appreciate you inviting me to your show, Gilbert. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a, a great time and, and very, very interesting. Um, and I wish you the same. I wish you all the best with your, your, your blog and, and your podcast. Um, I hope you have as much success uh, as you dream of. Um, and we have a, a banner year where we can both succeed. So both reward ourselves and be successful um, and, and have one of the best years that we had since, you know, COVID started. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for that. Good talking to you. All right. Thanks, Gilbert. Thank you so much. Well.